You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the LA International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in LA since 1989. All right, good morning, everybody. I know that uh, if you're visiting with us today, usually we don't have this many announcements, but because of the Harvest Festival, there are quite a few that we need to get through. So I want to welcome everyone. I look around the group today and quite a few new faces as well. I want to welcome you. We are a church that is all around the world and throughout the LA area. I see some folks from San Diego. Welcome from San Diego back there. Uh, today's, it's a little bit sad. Uh, this is Taylor Causey's last service with us today. So let me get Taylor to stand on up. And uh, Taylor, we're going to miss you. And it's been great uh, having you. This is your home. You're, you're always welcome here as well. You know, we've been doing a uh, series on the book of Acts. And the heart behind that is to really, not to imitate the book of Acts because they're 2,000 years ago, but to really learn from them as well and to see the foundational stuff that they built. And those are the things that we're focusing in on is to really try to get those foundational aspects of the book of Acts and to see what their convictions were at that time as they built their church through the Holy Spirit that lasts till today. So a lot of us sitting here today is a result of their faith. Pretty amazing stuff, don't you think? These bunch of ragtag people that were under the Roman Empire, the mighty Roman Empire, uh, unschooled, ordinary, if you will, and they started a movement that lasts till today. And they're counting on us. They're counting on us to really carry that on. They're counting on us to really borrow that conviction and really have the Holy Spirit today. And the title of our series is called Under Construction. And I got back in the, the town from Panama on Friday and that same old uh, refrain from LAX is still there, right? We're building a world-class airport and you know there's I mean, just a whole spiel about it's under construction and so i heard that when i first got back into the country when we moved back uh from bangkok uh 10 years ago and so it's ongoing it's under construction we're always building it's never finished until uh until it's done right so it's under construction uh with that i want to just uh, throw this in there i know the campus uh ministry is uh in need of some cash I don't know how else to say it, but uh, the conference coming up, there are some students that, that need some help. So if you're able to help sponsor a student, please go in the back, uh, and there's a board back there that you can sign up for that. Amen? I promise you, that was the last announcement. All right. The goal of our series is uh, to do these things, to deepen our conviction about God's church, to build unity in our fellowship, to really understand even the sense of, well, what is baptism? How did they do it in a New Testament church? What's the normative way that they did it in terms of how do people become Christians? And what does baptism mean? It's not the in all or in all. That's not all. I mean, it's, it's in conjunction with, with discipleship. It's in conjunction with, with repentance and all those things. And we got to get unified on those rudimentary things that the Bible talks about. And the third one is, Love people like true disciples do. We're not here just for ourselves. We're not here just to get an insurance policy about going to heaven or what have you, but we're here for a purpose. We're here to love people, take care of people, and really trust that, you know, God, that's God's heart as well. And it's, it's a greater sense of living for something greater than ourselves. Amen? 
And this is kind of like the midway point of our series. So we're going to take a two-week break. And then after that, I want to get more practical on what does that mean for us as a church here on the west side. What does that mean under construction? What does it mean to do church on the west side under the guidance of the Bible? So the title of our lesson today is called Upside Down. And this is one of the main themes that we had. The book of Acts has several main themes. And they have a lot of little undercurrent themes that they were working through because they're building something and things came up. But one of the main themes is upside down. They turn the world upside down. These people change the world. Amen? And we're called to do the same thing. We're called to change the world one person at a time. You know, I am a product of the 80s. 80s music is the best ever, ever. Right? It is. Come on, I know the teens. I know the teens. They don't admit it, but when they go into their room, they put that on a headset. What do they listen to? 80s music. Right? Right. All right. 80s music or some version of 80s music, right? I'm a product of the 80s. And one of the things that really inspired me about the 80s was this one speech that Ronald Reagan gave. I'm not political. I don't, I don't really think that that's the answer long term, obviously. But he gave this one speech. I think it was 1987 in front of the Brandenburg Gate in Germany. And by that time, there was a Cold War it was still going on. And he went to the gate and he said something that blew my mind. I still remember it to this day. I was, I was in college at that time. And these were some of the seminal moments that really impressed upon my, my mind what I want to be and what really inspired me. One of them was Tiananmen Square later on, right? But this one definitely was, 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 is up there. He stood in front of the gate and this is in the midst of the Cold War and he said something that was prophetic that was going to happen two years later when the Berlin Wall came down. The Berlin Wall was, was built that split the city of Berlin in half between the Eastern Bloc and the Western Bloc at that time. And people were trying to escape over the wall and a lot of people got killed by trying to escape the communist bloc. So Reagan went there in 1987 and gave this speech that perhaps is one of the best speeches in the annals of political speeches. He said this, he says, We welcome change and openness. For we believe that freedom and security go together. That the advance of, the human, of human liberty can only, be, only strengthen the cause of world peace. There is one sign the Soviet can make that would be unmistakable as he stood in front of this wall. He's saying what? Tear down the wall. That would advance dramatically the cause of freedom and peace. General Secretary Gorbachev, if you seek peace, if you seek prosperity for the Soviet Union and the East, for Eastern Europe, if you seek liberalization, come here to this gate. Mr. Gorbachev, open this gate. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Man, I still get... You know, goosebumps when I listen to that. Human beings doing something for the betterment of other human beings. People in authority having the power to call for change. And two years later, I think it was two years later. Was it two years later, Mark? The walls came down? Wow, you are a bad German. Uh, but that's another story. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, I think it was two years later. Maybe I should ask Karen. Was it two years later? 
1989, so two years afterwards, yeah. So, uh, great job, Karen. Sorry, Mark. So, um, this was monumental for a man to stand in front of the gate and to say, tear down this wall. Okay, tear down this wall. That's what the book of Acts is all about. You know, historians will tell you the reason why Christianity grew so much was that there were so many walls that were torn down. Racial wars, religious walls, gender walls walls that were torn down. These were the walls that the Bible teaches us when we talk about today. Amen? The wall of three things. The wall of religious traditions. The wall of human inadequacies. And lastly, the wall of prejudice. Okay? Point number one, the wall of religious traditions. You know, when Jesus talked to the Samaritan, he laid a foundation for what his movement was all about. It was monumental for a Jewish man to talk to a non-Jewish woman who was a half-breed. And all of his disciples were blown away. And you can take this and do a reference study yourself this next week here. And all of his disciples were blown away. How many walls Jesus was willing to tear down? You know, a lot of Jews, in order to not associate with Samaritan, would actually walk around the cities of Samaria and, you know, take that long route to avoid people. Kind of like what we do sometimes when we see people on the street that, ooh, look kind of scary, and we go around instead, or we take the next elevator or whatever. All right? But not Jesus. Not Jesus. Went straight, sat down. His disciples went to get food. And he, he initiated a conversation with this woman that changed the entire city within a matter of 24 hours. That's the kind of power that Jesus had. But it wasn't anything spectacular, really. It was, it was just her, his desire to initiate with people that are not like himself. In Acts chapter 8, as we pick up the story, Acts chapter 7, Stephen, the first martyr in the Bible, linked the Old Testament to the New Testament. That in chapter 7, Stephen was saying that this is not about a new startup religion. This is about a continuity of God's plan for humanity that started all the way from Genesis 1 that went on until today. That this is not a new religion. This is the fulfillment of what God had planned for thousands and thousands of years. And we come to Acts chapter 8. And the Bible says, um, I think the, uh, the font got bigger. Can we make it a little bit smaller? There you go. All right. I was like, what happened? Those who have been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with, with shrieks and pure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. There was great joy in the city. That's our job. That's our, that's kind of like our mission, is to bring the gospel. Remember we studied that out? The gospel to UCLA, to SMC, to Pepperdine is what we're doing this, you know, 
uh, this afternoon. They're having their own service out there to the family ministry to bring people the gospel. That's our mission. That's, that's our calling. To bring it to other people. And it stretches us, doesn't it? Those who were scattered by the persecution, they didn't feel sorry for themselves. They didn't go, oh my gosh, what's going on? This movement is, they went and they shared their faith wherever they went. They had a message to give. Remember, part of last week's message was what? We have something to give. Silver and gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I'll give you. And the guy who was asking for some loose chain got something more than he even ever imagined. He was able to dance around in the temple courts and people were afraid, uh, uh, amazed. When Simon saw that the Spirit was giving in the hands of the apostles, uh, hands, laying in the hands of the apostles, he offered them money and he says, give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But what we see here is that it's not just joy in the city like this shallow kind of good news thing. Another thing that we talked about was from the inside out. We read about Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5. Here we see another situation where the building of God's church is not just superficial good news, walking around, praising God, and having great religious service. Simon, who became a disciple in Samaria, had some heart issues that he had to deal with. He saw that these miraculous gifts were given by the laying of hands. And his name is actually Simon Magnus, and where we get magnificent. He calls himself the Magnificent Simon. It gives you a glimpse of what he was all about. So when he became a Christian, he got baptized and all these things happened to him, but the heart did not follow what he did on the outside. Do you see the constant theme here? How the hearts and the outside... It's got to match. That's why religion is such a horrible thing when you look at it. When Jesus looked at religion and he argued with the religious leaders of the world, he says, what's your problem? Your heart and your actions, they don't match. That's a terrible way to live. Right? So it's a call for us to really think about the way we think about things. To reevaluate why we do what we do. And the Bible says, Peter answered, may your money perish with you because you thought you can buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right with God. How do we bring about joy in the city? By getting our hearts right with God. That's why we talk about things. We open up. You know, we talk about our purity. We talk about stuff. You know, I'm 51 years old, and I go on campus. I don't know what is it with campus students these days. They don't wear any clothes. <laughs> right? I mean, I'm just, okay, so I'm 51 year old. I have daughters. I have kids. So it's, like, it's kind of weird. So I don't struggle with that, all right? But I tell you what, I mean, there are other things that are going on all the time. Okay, in terms of purity, in terms of the way I look at people, there's always a sense of, I, I gotta evaluate this. I was online this past week looking for, you know, some materials on the Bible, you know, to do the PowerPoint. It doesn't take forever. I'm, you know, as you can tell, my PowerPoint, it's not like the best in the world, but I try to steal a couple pictures. I tell you something, if you don't put the strict filter 
on even innocuous search things on the web. It's, it's, it's a horrible thing. I want to encourage you, you know, you guys to be careful. I mean, as they just, when you look on the web, I mean, just even in, be open about these things and, and then get, get, get accountable on these things. Don't, don't let yourselves or myself get dragged into the world. It's the heart that the Bible constantly deals with. Amen? It's not about playing church. I hope that message is getting clear and loud. And our, 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 our motivation and our, it's going to get refined. It's a good thing. It's a good, I told my wife the other day, it's painful to confess sins. But you know, it's such a good thing. Amen? It's a good thing. I mean, it's a gift of God. We talked about that before, to be able to get things out and to deal with it. Point number two, the walls of personal inadequacy. We are so held back by our insecurities. We're so driven by what, not what we can do, bringing joy to the city, da 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 da. We're so, we're so captivated by our insecurities and our fears. You know, we lived in Thailand for a while, and I told this story before about how they train these big animals where they have these little chain that you would think they can just break away any time. But they don't, because you know why? Ever since they captured these little elephants, they tie big ropes around them since the beginning. So as the elephant gets old, you know, so as a baby elephant is trying to get out, trying to kick its way out, but the chain would chain him back, or her back, or it back, right? So as it gets older, what happens is that they replace the chain. There's no need anymore. Instead of this big chain that holds this elephant, they, they have a little rope. And the rope is, is not adequate to keep the animal from breaking free physically. But mentally, it's got that big chain in its mind. It doesn't even try. And I wonder how many of us are, are really caught in that trap. That, that we, well, we talk way too much about our weaknesses instead of our strengths. We sit around and we, we're just, we're just, we're just incapacitated. Talking about these different catastrophe that has been happening and all that stuff, a few years back, they sent a team of psychiatrists and psychologists to this village in, uh, in Africa that had gone through a tremendous amount of, of suffering. It was an, it was, I think it was an earthquake and people died and all that stuff. They sent these, these people, these mental health professional in and they had them in the room talking about all their feelings, which is great, which is great. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of value in that, but a lot of the folks were saying, look, you know, um, this doesn't help me because we spent so much time talking about my problems and what they felt was that I need to get out. I need to go see the sun. I don't want to be locked up. I want to get out, see the sun, talk to my family, and to be able to dance, to sing, to get back. There is, there is, there is benefits in talking about our problems, but if we talk about our problems all the time, we're held back by our inadequacies. That's just my opinion. So what happened to this man here in Acts chapter 8, 29? The Spirit told Philip, the Spirit, go to that chariot and stay near. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? 
This is the Ethiopian eunuch. Philip asked. He said, how can I unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is a eunuch that had traveled from Ethiopia thousands of miles to listen to the word of God. Here's the convicting thing. He traveled thousands of miles on a chariot and he wasn't even allowed to go into the main temple area because he was a eunuch. There was a, discrep- there was a discrimination against people that were damaged goods, if you will. He was damaged goods. But what I appreciate about the Ethiopian eunuch is that it doesn't hold him back. He went as far as he could and he relied on the hope that God had given him. He was reading Isaiah 53, but in Isaiah 56 there was a similar passage that talked about people like himself and the hope that the Bible gives people that are in the eyes of the world damage. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is this prophet talking about himself or someone else? Then Philip began with the very passage of scripture and told him the good news. The good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch says, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And theologians look at that last line there in different ways. Some people look at it and say, he was assertive. He looked at it, he saw some water, you know, pretty serendipitous that there's water in the middle of the desert. And some people say, wow, he was very assertive in saying, look, here's water. Somewhere along the line, they got into a discussion about how to become a disciple, how to get saved. And he says, here's water, why should I be baptized? On the other hand, some theologians will tell you that this was not an imperative, but it was more of a position of weakness. Here's water. Can I be baptized? Why can't I be baptized? He was used to not getting things his way. So there's different ways to read this passage. Okay? But the good news is this. What? That he he wasn't damaged goods in the eyes of God. Even though maybe he was wrestling with that himself that God would send Philip in the middle of the desert, 12 o'clock in the noontime, to give him the opportunity to know the gospel. Isn't that awesome? It's walls coming down. Walls coming down. People that are damaged, they, they're welcomed as well. As a matter of fact, the Bible goes out of its way to say they are more than welcome. So if you think that you're damaged, if you think that you had a bad childhood, so did I. I had a terrible childhood. I mean, I grew up in a war. You know, I grew up in a war zone where for many years, if I hear, if I hear loud noises, I would, I would panic. I had to overcome that. Where public speaking was a fear for me. I just didn't want to, you know, be in front of people and crowds and stuff like that. Years of getting over these things step at a time. Amen? In Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 1 says, No one has been who has been emasculated by crushing or cutting may enter the assembly of the Lord. Okay? I got a few minutes here. Theologically, this is an issue. Okay? How do we reconcile God of Isaiah 56 and God of Deuteronomy chapter 23? There is... 
That is exactly the point. Let me drop the mic and go home. That's, that's exactly the point. There is a righteousness that God demands that when we go before him, whether it's Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira, Acts chapter 8, Philip the, the Magnus, there is a purity that God demands. But here's the catch. It is a purity that we can't get ourselves. It is a purity that comes, a perfection that comes from Jesus. Amen? Jesus is the one, not Mr. Gorbachev, that, that really tears down all the walls. Amen? It's the Holy Spirit and Jesus that's tearing down the wall. I hope that you find that significant. All right. For thus says the Lord in Isaiah 56, and this is what he was counting on, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath and choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give in my house and within my walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name. And here's a play on word that will not be cut off. Ryan, I knew you were going to like that one. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> to play on words. This is what, you're not going to be cut off. Your physical body might have some damage or whatever, but you are not damaged in my eyes. And this fulfillment came exactly through Jesus himself. Last but not least, the wall of human prejudice. We're all prejudiced to a degree, some way or another. We are. We just are. And God is trying to break that down. And he he did that, and here's the upside-down part. In the conversion story of Cornelius and Peter, and if you read Acts chapter 9 and chapter 10 carefully, you would think that it was Peter who was being converted. You think it's Peter. And what's my point in that? Here's my point. My point is, I've been doing ministry for about 30 years. I think I know a lot about ministry. I really do. I get people that come up and say, you know, do do this and do that. I get it. I get it. But you know what I get fired up about at this stage of my life? People that come up and say, this is what I'm working on. This is what God is doing in my life. That's what I get fired up about. And I'm not trying to boast here, okay? but I, I will. Okay? I will. Okay, I've led a Buddhist country church in Thailand. I've led a church in Manila, a, a group in Manila, primarily Catholic. I've led a church in communist Vietnam, the ideology of socialism. I've led, I've, I've, I've been to Las Vegas. I'm not a prude. I've seen a lot of crazy stuff in Las Vegas. Bangkok is one of the most worldly places in the world. And here's the point, off key, what does that mean? Okay, so... Um, I just need Amsterdam to do the trifecta of the most simple places I've ever worked in, okay? I've seen a lot of stuff in ministry. But I tell you what, those aren't the things that are impressing to me. You know what's impressive? Change in our lives. Even 40-year-old, 50-year-old, 60-year-old people that are constantly being renewed in their mind and being transformed into the likeness of Christ. That's what I get impressed by. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and he prayed. 
Turning toward the dead woman, he says, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. For a Jewish person to stay at a tanner's house was a pretty big step in him changing his heart in order to get ready for what's coming up. What do I mean by that? God works in our lives through incremental changes sometimes. There are times where he requires big changes. But if we see the little things in our lives that we're willing to change, it gets us ready for the big things that are coming up. How many of us feel like, man, my life, I got nothing to look forward to. You're, you're wrong. I tell you, you're wrong. You got, we got a lot to look forward to. He's showing us along the ways. Staying at somebody's house who kills animals and skin animals it was an unclean thing for many Jewish people, but Peter was willing to take that risk. And it set him up for this. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. These were not Jewish people, per se, right? The conservative Jews. The next day, Peter started out with them and went, uh, uh, and, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence, but Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize this is years from the time that he met Jesus. He's still growing. Isn't that amazing? I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism but accept from every nation the one who fears him and, accept, and does what is right. Years. Growing, changing, opening up ourselves. That is the only way to live. Let me close out with one story. Last story. I got like two seconds left. I was in Bangkok and I saw this old man. He was in his 80s probably in his early 80s. I think his name was Mr. Johnson. I don't remember, but I remember the lesson. So he's been coming around to our services for years, right? And, you know, we get into some talks every once in a while, and one day I said, Mr. Johnson, you look awesome. How old are you? Early 80s. Fit, you know, like wiry. He was just a wiry guy, you know? I'm not. My sister says I look like a fire hydrant. I have no shape. She's, she's not, you, you, you look like a fire. You have the same haircut since you were five years old, and you look like a fire a firefighter. Okay, fine. But Mr. Johnson was wiry. Okay, he was about six feet tall. It was probably about 150 pounds. And I came up to Mr. Johnson. I said this. I'll never forget this. I said, Mr. Johnson, how do you look so good? Stretching, my boy. Stretching. I still remember it to today. Stretch yourselves. And he was talking about stretching, right? I still do that, but I'm still a hydrant, so it's only so far I can go. Right? Stretch ourselves. Amen? 
Well, we can say as we go along, I now realize how good God is. God bless. Have a great week. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.